Hello, and welcome to episode 11 of The Flight Stuff, an Alpha Flight podcast. I am your intrepid, uh, risen from the dead host, uh, editor at Cinepunks.com, Liam O'Donnell. I'm your perfectly average host, managing editor of Cinepunks.com, Adriana Gober. And I'm the complete disaster contributing writer to Cinepunks.com, Doug Tilly. Yeah, Doug, I feel like you, you're, you, it's funny because uh-huh. you're kind of like the <laughs> marina of our podcast. Yeah, we both have funny accents. We spend a lot of our childhood in the sea, and we're both going to run off with Namor and live a life of frivolity. I was just going for hideous mutant, but I, you know, whatever works for you. I'm, My I'm eyes sorry. are gigantic. I do resemble one of those anime ladies, as I like to refer to them. <laughs> uh, hey, welcome everyone here to episode eleven. This is an action-packed episode, or at least the issues we co- we're covering are. I don't know if, <laughs> if the episode will be action-packed, but the issues are. Uh, but uh, before we get into those, uh, we want to say a few things. First off, thanks for checking out the show. Thank you to everyone who has been tweeting about the show, reviewing the show on iTunes, sending us cool emails, sending us mean emails, whatever it is you're sending us. We appreciate that. Um, we, we've just gotten uh, some big response and, and some cool people paying attention. We really appreciate that. Uh, in fact, one person uh, is familiar to me and Doug at, at the very least because uh, he was on Doug's much more embarrassing podcast about Eric Roberts. Isn't that right, Doug? Yeah, that's exactly right. It's actually our podcast, Liam. And why don't I don't you know what you're talking about. <laughs> we, we can't, unfortunately, <laughs> we can't say the title of it because there's a naughty word in it. But uh, you could probably find it if you looked up Eric Roberts is the man in some sort of capacity. But yeah, a former guest on that show, Simon Abrams, a very talented uh, interviewer and film and pop culture writer. Uh, you've seen his work. <laughs> you might have seen his work in all sorts of places, including the New York Times and The Hollywood Reporter, where he recently uh, published an article called How Dark Phoenix Left the Comics Behind uh, about the recent uh, Dark Phoenix X-Men movie that is uh, bombing something fierce <laughs> at this very moment. Oh, yes. Uh, but he was nice enough to give a little shout out to the flight stuff in that uh, article, Liam, uh, including referring to this podcast as hilarious and wonderfully nerdy. Uh, and then he name checks Adriana, Liam, and some guy named Doug Tilly. That's me, Liam. I'm Doug Tilly. Some guy named that. Well, I assume that uh, your entire friend group are people that are just mean to you because that just seems to be how it works. But we very much appreciate Simon, appreciate the shout out. Uh, and, and anyone who comes ha- has come here because of that, I promise we will not be discussing at length uh, Dark Phoenix, uh, though we might on Patreon. No, no way. I'm not going to watch that movie. We should. You know what? We should definitely all go see that movie and discuss it. Hey, what if there's Alpha Flight content in there? We won't even know unless we go to see it. There's not, and it's also not <laughs> worth expending energy on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you right now. Well, speaking of uh, uh, the X-Men in their various uh, cinematic forms, uh, you know, recently the Alpha Flight got a little bit of attention on Twitter uh, thanks to the Soska sisters, uh, directors of such classics as Dead Hooker in a Trunk. Is that right? Is that the name of that movie? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, Absolutely. and American yeah. Mary. Um, oh, American Mary. Yep. And what was and that one where Dean Cain beats up the Big Show? And uh, the new remake of Rabid. Oh, that's right. The upcoming remake of David Cronenberg's Rabbit. Yeah, they are uh, Canadian uh, twin filmmakers. They're Canadian, right? That's right, Doug. You know uh-huh. about this. Yes. They that, yeah, well, that's the only reason I'm putting my <laughs> uh, magnet of support. Was that what that was supposed to be? <laughs> <laughs> that was the sound of, my, of a magnet attaching to this podcast. Magnets uh, must work differently above Thanks for clearing uh, that up, Doug. 
Yeah, no, it's important because I look when I tried to fan cast Alpha Flight uh, recently, you got on my case, Liam, because I only wanted Canadians in the cast, which I guess is not very realistic. But I, I didn't even really think we need a Canadian director or in this case, Canadian directors. And the Soska sisters, uh, they just stepped in and they volunteered. And, you know, they're kind of perfect because they've actually written for Marvel already. It's true. They've written a, a couple of things and, and, you know, they're, they're accomplished directors. And what's more, they had a lot of opinions about the fan casting that I thought were pretty interesting. We all thought were pretty interesting. Um, Adriana, do you want to, do you want to run through some of their picks and we can all decide what we think about this? Well, first of all, I, I want to go to North Star immediately. Of course you do. I knew you would. <laughs> their choice for North Star actually echoes Doug in a, in a, a earlier episode of the flight stuff. He said, actor and filmmaker, uh, Xavier Dolan would make a great North Star, to which I very enthusiastically agreed. And the Soska sisters also agree because they chose him for North Star. Admit- admittedly, as soon as they started talking about Alpha Flight, I got in there and tweeted at them, this is who has to play North Star, and they agreed. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take at least some credit for putting that in their brains. So if we eventually get Xavier Dolan in a Alpha Flight movie, I have to say that it's going to be 90% because of my suggestion. I think that's fair. Mm -hmm. They also offered Nathan Fillion as Guardian, Rachel McAdams as Heather. And then this one threw me for a loop, I have to say. They chose Eugene Levy as Sasquatch, and I I kind of envision Walter as a, a younger man. I honestly think Nathan Fillion is more of a Walter than a James. Agreed. Agreed. Um, so I, I would go with Nathan Fillion. For Sasquatch. Particularly because you got to kind of kill off Guardian early on, right? I mean, that's kind of the whole yeah. evolution. It seems like wasted. They, they, he would be wasted on that role. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, James Hudson is not charming. So that's, that, a, that's, that's a problem. That is a good well, neither is Walter. <laughs> well, but that's the thing. I think Nathan Fillion has two roles. He can either be very charming or a giant jerk. Right. And James Hudson is neither of those things. Like oh, he has some negative tendencies. He has some positive ones, but he's it's he's not a big character the way that I see Nathan. Again, this is just my opinion. No, the social you're 100%, sisters probably know more you're than me. You're 100% Nathan, right, uh, Liam. And I can close my eyes and picture Nathan Fillion wearing that Captain and Tennille Sailor's hat. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Um, so moving on. In the in the fan casting list, they threw out Adam Beach's name for Shaman, which I think is a great choice. I think he was very underutilized in Suicide Squad as Slipknot. That mm-hmm. was my choice as well, by the way, when I did my own fan casting again. Oh, was it? Yes. I, I kind of forgot. I only ze- I zeroed in on Xavier Dolan and just <laughs> didn't care about anything else. And then, oh, Aurora, they have Sophie Demaray. And I'm actually not very familiar with her as an actor. Yeah, I don't really know anything about her either. Uh, Doug, are you familiar with any of her stuff? I know she was in a film called Sarah Prefers to Run. Uh, and I mean, obviously, she has not broken in the U.S. in any substantial way that I'm aware of. But uh, I, I've seen uh, bits of that movie. And I can't remember <laughs> I can't remember her from it. But uh, but hey, I, I kind of struggled with that casting as well, particularly because when I was trying to cast, it was a little early in our run. I don't think I had a full grasp on Aurora. It'd be interesting to revisit that. I remember I chose the uh, lead actress from the movie Turbo Kid, uh, who's also French-Canadian. Right, right. Yeah, I don't think that would work. Why not? Uh, I, I Aurora needs like a, a serious darkness yeah, as well as a fun. So. And that's not the vibe I get. You're, you are probably correct, Liam, though I hate you for it. 
I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't have any great. I, I was also thinking about how, um, you know, who would be Jeffries or Box or you know, um, some other character or you know, Talisman. And I don't have any great ideas about those characters. So it's it's not like I'm over here with the perfect fan casting. Half the time I can't remember the names of various actors anyway. So I don't. I wouldn't be very good. at I don't this mean game. to criticize the Soska sisters. Obviously, very talented. However, I can't help but notice. They did not cast Marina in this movie. Literally the most important character to cast. <laughs> uh, obviously, no, no, no. You're just wrong, Doug. Uh, they just assumed she would be full CGI. Yes. Not even mocap, mm. just full CGI. Yes, and I'm just going to put it out there. There's no reason I could not provide Marina's voice. 100%. 100%. In a CG character. I gave them the idea for Xavier Dolan. It's really the least they could do is to give me that role mm. as a all-CG Marina in the film. Just mm. think it over uh, and come back to me whenever you can, ladies. I, I support this. I support this idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was fun. That's really great. We love that. Uh, we're going to jump in here before we do... <laughs> Before we do, I just want to take a second and thank all of our Patreon supporters and uh, thank our official sponsor, uh, Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Uh, as soon as we have a cool t-shirt idea, we'll have it printed at Lehigh Valley Apparel, Apparel Creations because they are the premier screen printer of the Lehigh Valley. That being said, it's time to talk about what I find to be a slightly incredible issue. Mm. Alpha Flight, Volume 1, Number 25, from August 1985, written by John Byrne. Pencil by John Byrne, cover by John Byrne. Uh, you added in here, Doug, in our mm-hmm. notes, with creative kibitzing by Bill Mantlo. Yeah, yeah that's actually a, there's actually a credit in the comic uh, proper with that exact uh, phrasing in it. And, yes, uh, and I was going to bring that up. you see the list on the kind of deep Marvel wiki for this particular uh, issue, it, it kind of lists John Byrne and Bill Mantlo as both being writers on the issue. It's hard to tell just from that title how much Bill actually contributed. But we do know that, of course, Bill Mantlo in the not-too-distant future will be taking over writing duties. So it's interesting to see his name connected with it so early. Yeah, I'm I'm sure he assisted on the plotting of the issue to some Mm -hmm. degree. I was very surprised when I saw that. I didn't know anything about that. Um, This is even one of the issues I had as a kid, and I just never noticed. Of course, I don't know how often I read who actually wrote comics when I was a kid, but but I just (laughs) assumed that a lot of these uh, early ones were were just burned. Um, Well, let's start off at the at the at the uh, the beginning here. Doug, you want to tell us what happens in this issue? So this issue begins with North Star on trial. Uh, sort of. He's actually, the other members of Alpha Flight, they're concerned. Remember from a few issues ago where we found out he was a terrorist? They're uh, they're a little concerned about that. They want to make sure everything's okay. The whole ordeal ends up getting interrupted. Uh, since remember Caliber, that cool, destructive robot guy uh, who was rampaging through Vancouver in the most recent issue? He's, once again, he's escaped and he's doing it again. And he is getting fought off by Guardian. Remember Guardian, Liam? Yeah, d- uh, he's, he's, he's the leader. No, he was the leader of Alpha Oh, Flight. Little, yeah, right, right, right. So Talisman arrives first, uh, and she's able to stop the destruction before Guardian reveals himself to indeed be the, the dear departed Mac. Uh, and when Heather shows up, he kisses her and proves it, and she faints dead away. So when she wakes up, he explains what happened to him, uh, and it is really crazy. Uh, apparently, instead of his suit exploding, he pressed a button on it. That sent him hurtling through time and space. We're going to talk about this, folks, because it is oh, yeah. a little much. He, he hurtles through time and space. He lands on one of Jupiter's moons, 
Uh, <laughs> he's saved by a race of loving underwater creatures called the Kurillin, uh, who healed his wounds. But since he was still in Earth's past, they put him in cryosleep until the present day. He woke to discover that their civilization had been destroyed while he was slumbering. Thankfully, they left a ship, which he used to travel to Earth. And that, that that ship then just melted away as soon as he arrived, and he almost drowned. But he did survive. Uh, and the issue itself, it ends with Guardian revealing, to the surprise of Heather, that the creatures, in order to repair his wounds, had turned him into a cyborg. Uh, and boy, that's a lot to digest. Uh, I mean... It sure is. I, I'm just going to say it right up front here. I knew, mostly because I'd seen the cover and there had been teases about Mac being alive in recent issues, I knew something like this was coming. When it arrived, I was not prepared for the story he had to tell. I mean, this 100% feels like like I, I finished this issue and I just thought, you know what? I'm bad at lying, too. It's I get it. I totally 100% get it. I would have gotten into all these details as well. It would have been a real problem. But before we get into that, let's talk about this here cover for uh, issue number 25. Adriana, what do you think about this cover here? Well, the first thing I want to say about this cover is that it's a, a throwback to the cover of issue number 11, uh, which is in turn... Uh, A bit of a wink and a nod to X-Men with the characters appearing in silhouette and they all look like they might be X-Men characters, but that turns out to be a misdirection. But anyway, uh, this is one of those earth shattering covers uh, to me that sort of just stick with you over the years just because of the shock of what it seems to promise. You know, Guardian isn't dead, Um, but it's a a fairly simple composition um, with what looks like the figure of Guardian whited out in the foreground. Uh, with his fellow Alpha Flight teammates looking on in confusion and surprise and shock. But it's nonetheless very effective. And there's a post somewhere on the Burn Robotics forums in which John Byrne uh, bemoans the cover copy, (laughs) uh, which he didn't write. Um, It might have been Denny O'Neill. But at any rate, uh, Byrne apparently is not a fan of the corny, or is it, uh, type of teasing (laughs) that the, the cover dialogue engages in um but no i i enjoy this cover a lot i like how it's sort of referencing past issues uh yeah i don't know what about you guys what do you think doug i like it a lot uh sometimes again Mm. we do complain about the 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 lack of detail and background sometimes in some of burns work and on some of the covers in particular but here that kind of color contrast between that sort of reddish background and the yellow figures of, of the Alpha Flight proper and then the foreground of this bright white outline uh, of what could be Guardian, I think it's it's really, really effective. I mean, it puts his reveal front and center. So uh, if you're going to open that, look, we've seen bait and switches before. Uh, Adriana just referred to one. But here, hey, they're promising Guardian. They're going to give you Guardian, wink. <laughs> uh, but we're going to see all about that in just a little bit. But I mean, like they, they, even in the story proper, it doesn't take them long to get to the guardian content. Uh, in fact, even the North Star issue gets kind of put on the backseat while they're, while they're addressing that, uh, for all of the content we're going to talk about today. But in terms of a tease and making me interested, um, even my middling feelings on guardian as a character are not, d- d- do not uh, affect how excited I would be to open this and find out, hey, how are they bringing this character back? I saw him blow up in front of my eyes. Yeah, yeah totally. I got to agree with that, with everything you all have said. The impact of this cover is kind of undeniable. Um, I don't, I, I think in a way, you know, I when I 
think about these covers, I think both about how they relate to the story, but then also aesthetically how they affect me. Um, and I and I get what you know why John Byrne wouldn't necessarily love this copy. It is kind of silly in a way. It, 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 but that being said, I, I can't. Uh, ignore the fact that the impact of this cover is kind of all that matters. Like I, yes, I think it's also, you know, a pretty good design, but I'm just, I'm just thinking about how I felt when I saw it, because I uh, got this issue uh, a little bit after I had first started reading alpha flight. And I, and even though I knew what was happening because the first issue I ever bought was 26. So I know I knew uh, some character. I didn't know who it was. Was gonna come come back and things were gonna happen, and I didn't even <laughs> have a context for who Guardian was yet. Um, and yet, still, I saw this cover and thought, "Ooh!" Like it, it just it had to be such a big deal for anyone who was a fan of this comic when it first came out, have such a huge impact. Um, and then it's also a cool design, but but I'm almost overwhelmed by how important it probably was for people who cared about Alpha Flight, even more than the fact that I also think it really works from like an aesthetic level. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about this story, and and I don't want to immediately jump to the thing that I think we probably all want to talk about, which is um, where supposedly Guardian has been. But I, I just want to start with this uh, North Star <laughs> thing. Um, what do we think about the this idea of North Star on trial? Adriana, I know you are uh, a North Star stan. Um, how did you feel about sort of the the way they're setting up this this uh, conflict within the group? How I feel about it is Heather and the rest of the team need to get off Jean-Paul's jock. (laughs) He's absolutely right in the point that he's making, which is that what he did happened a long time ago. He's clearly not proud of it, uh, despite still being quite proud of his uh, Quebec heritage. Um, (laughs) And he's arguably paid back his debt to society in the form of community service as a superhero, protecting the general public. So I'm not sure why... They have to relitigate the past here in this kangaroo court or Canada goose court to make it more <laughs> geographically appropriate. Um, it's just ridiculous to me, and I I just want justice for my prickly prince. I love everything you just said. I don't even want to hear what Doug has to say. No, Liam, I think I need to play devil's advocate in regards to this North Star situation. All right, do it, Doug. You would. Well, here's the thing about Alpha Flight, our beloved Canadian superhero team, is that, you know, they probably, for all we know, are beloved by the Canadian public. And what if they were to discover, the Canadian public were to discover that they're a uh, wonderful Canadian superhero team has a terrorist in its midst, uh, one that may or may not even be uh, responsible for death, deaths even. Ex-terrorist. Ex-terrorist? Guess what? You don't get to retire from being a terrorist without <laughs> uh, some sort of real litigation. Now, I do agree that this Canada Goose Court is unfair. And the fact that everyone looks so bored as they're just sitting there <laughs> throwing accusations at him, it does seem a little beyond the pale. However, I mean, look, if he was involved in a crime, look, Liam, you and I, we are followers of the law. <laughs> we have a great respect for law and order and those who uphold sure, them. Sure, sure. Uh, so it's important for us to see that North Star answers for his crimes. Here's the thing, Doug. Um, as, a, as, a Can- <laughs> as a Canadian, 
I know that you don't actually know about this, so let me inform you about how the rest of the world works. There's a thing Please. called there's a thing called due diligence, and the simple fact is James Hudson didn't do it. He just found people with powers. Yep. They didn't seem too creepy, so he asked them onto a team. We know this because half his recruits turned into <laughs> supervillains the second that they got a chance to. <laughs> the reality is that if this is a big embarrassment for Alpha Flight, that's their problem, not his. He's done everything. There wasn't. There literally was no quiz. There was no like you yeah, know no background check. Yeah, he didn't lie about anything. He just wasn't asked. They're just like, hey, you're a ski star and you have powers. Surely you should be a superhero. And that's not on him. Um, plus, I have, a, I have a, a, just a brief addendum to that. Even what I said before, Liam, I, just before you continue, which is that why is he standing there and facing these accusations when he's voiced a number of times that he has no interest in being a member of Alpha right. Flight, that he's only there because his sister's there. As soon as they're like, you know, we really need to have a serious conversation about you being a terrorist, he should have been like, peace out, heading back to Quebec, got some skiing to do. I don't understand why he's even yeah, putting it's up a, with this. Yeah, it's an odd moment. Yeah. But this is a theme, and we'll talk about this in the next issue, and for many issues, they just keep pulling him in so he can say, I don't know why I'm here. I don't even want to be here right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think I think if you push too hard on this, why is he even putting up with this thing? You're starting to push into why is John Byrne writing it this way and not so much like an actual like fictional world. I don't know. He, You're right. He would have left. Considering he literally laughs at Heather at the idea that he would ever even do Alpha Flight again. He, it's strange that he keeps <laughs> sticking around. But, uh, you know, who knows what's compelling him? I think in this world, again, we already have so many villains who become heroes. I mean, you know, half the Avengers, you know what I mean? Like it, it even the Hulk himself. So I just think uh, the fact that they would be so offended. Oh my God, you were a terrorist. Now, if you had threatened the world for, you know, no political reason at all, then that would be acceptable. Lots of people do that, but you actually hurt people for a political goal. That's unacceptable. You know, <laughs> like, geez, I, I just think that whole thing is just silly. It's just a way to create uh, a, a, an amount of tension. I could see them having like a bit of a serious conversation of like, wow, that's weird. Let's talk about that. Yeah. But this is like, they're so deeply offended that I'm like, come on, this isn't real. He's just <laughs> being true to the be gay, do crimes ethos. Yes, yes, 100%. Okay, so then we have the return of uh, a character that y'all, I remember, seemed to like a lot, which is, uh, what is his name? Giant robot guy? What's his name again? <laughs> Caliber. This is we're the we're the worst uh, comic book host in the world. It's written right there in your notes, right in front of you. I know. I just hate him. I I I don't hate him. I just think it's like he's so silly. I love that they brought him back. Of all the people to bring back, it's like I don't know. It's, he's just escaped. I guess. I mean, I I love how we we don't understand his motivations at all. It's just like he's just, I'm here to destroy. <laughs> I have a, a a robot suit that all it's built for is to destroy things. I also like the idea that theoretically he's murdering. Dozens, if not hundreds of people, but that is never discussed or even referred to. No, he's just shooting buildings. There's no people in those buildings. No one lives in cities, Doug. There's no humans in cities. So if you want to go somewhere and destroy a bunch of stuff without any casualties, you just go and there's no one there. Smash whatever you want. I think that Caliber's existence is based on a mid-80s love for robotic design, which is going to play out in the next issue. And boy, I can't wait to talk about that either. Oh, I agree very much. So, um, you know, Guardian shows up, and um, I guess I'll go to you first, Adriana. What do you think about this? Here's 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 Guardian, and not only here's Guardian, but 
Talisman's going to talk to Guardian and figure out what's going on. What do you think about this section of the comic book we're discussing? I think it's interesting. So Talisman sort of acts as the audience surrogate and that she's learning about and reacting to the reemergence of the supposedly dead Guardian as we, the readers, are. And so her, her response is pretty on par with how I imagine most people reading this issue for the first time would react, you know, like what the heck is going on. Uh, the whole backstory we get about where Guardian has been and how he came to be standing before them seemingly alive is totally buck wild. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. I mean, Doug, Doug, Doug sort of took us through the basics and his, his breakdown of uh, the plot of this issue. Um, but just... The whole idea that he winds up on Ganymede and is turned into like the six million Canadian dollar man by this alien race <laughs> is just so strange. And then Byrne adds the whole time time travel aspect to it where he has to basically cryogenically freeze himself until Earth is the has reached the proper time period for him to go back is a lot. Although we learn that there's a lot more there's a, there's a reason for why this story is so out, outlandish. Is there, though? That's what I don't... Because we know what's going to happen, and I don't even know if it's worth revealing it yet, it's the fact that it's so... That that this is not true that makes it even more ridiculous to me. Be, because why would you go this far? <laughs> it, it, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. It makes sense to me, because if you tell someone a story this outlandish and you're that committed to it, I feel like people have no choice but to like take you at your word, because why would you tell a story so transparently BS. It's like a reverse Occam's razor, right? If it's so crazy and convoluted, it has to be true. And in comics, it seems like it usually is that way. Right. I just feel like this is, this is the same way that we've, so we've talked about how we, we would wish, uh, burn would do a, would have done a horror comic. Right. Um, this feels like he had a whole story for some sci-fi thing, and he couldn't figure out where to put it. So he's like, (laughs) I'll just throw it in here. That's where guardian comes from. He's that's what's going on. Yeah, I mean, you're probably right about that. I I, I enjoy the total insanity. Oh, of it as all. a reader, I loved every moment of it. I, I don't know how Doug feels, but I'm with you on that, Adriana. It was very enjoyable to read. <laughs> Doug, did you feel above this story? Are you too good as a Canadian for this lie? Well, I, I've, I've been too good for every issue. You really have. One, so I don't see why this should be any. You know what? The only thing I didn't like about the crazy story is the. You know how these weird creatures on Jupiter's moon, they kill each other while he's uh, frozen? Um, yeah, there's some kind of civil war. Yeah, there's some sort of yeah, – I think he even says it's a world war. They destroyed each other with the weapons. Like that seems like a classic sci-fi trope, which is supposed to be a commentary on ourselves, right? He woke up and the world blew itself up. But we know so little about these creatures outside of the fact that they just really love this guy. <laughs> they think he's so cool that he's come – through space and time to meet them. Um, yeah, so much so that even as they are warring, they had the presence of mind to leave him a spaceship <laughs> so that he can leave the planet when he wakes up. They forgot to leave a little note that says, melts in water. <laughs> 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 May land in the middle of the ocean. Uh, yeah, look, I love the story. I love actually the art that goes along with it because it's so out there. It's when Burn is at his trippiest is when I like his stuff the most. Yeah, I absolutely. like that uh, this story could have been it with just a couple tweaks, a horror movie for those aliens. 
Like some yeah. older version of us helped an alien that was completely foreign out. And then when it woke up, instead of leaving the planet peacefully, he decided to murder us all. And none of us remember who or what it is. I mean, they basically, in, if this were had been true, they basically made him a killing machine anyway. So, you know, in a sense, this is this is kind of like a full moon production, you know, <laughs> just before that existed. Charles Band presents the Corellians. <laughs> I want to see yeah. the making of at the end of the VHS tape. Directed by uh, David Dakota. No, what? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was literally thinking about Creepazoids as I was talking uh, about I did mention in the plot summary, but there is just a little two-page stinger at the end of this issue where we see uh, – Sasquatch now transplanted into his new robot body, basically just smashing stuff up just to test things out, while uh, Box uh, in his wheelchair is is saying, you know, hey, look, this is a new suit. You shouldn't do it. And the only thing that we really learn from this is that Aurora can't love uh, Sasquatch uh, while he's in this robot body because she really loved him when he was a Sasquatch. <laughs> She's a... Uh, she has she has very specific tastes uh, uh, when it comes to the the mixture of Walter and his weird body shifting abilities. I guess she's also convinced that it's very possible that he might be in this robot uh, gear forever. This is a family podcast, and so it's hard for me to say what I'm thinking here. Yeah, but the suggestion seems to be, without just saying it directly, that she doesn't want to be intimate with a machine. Right. Mm-hmm. She wants a real man. Yeah, and 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 you know, Spirit Walter is horny. He's horny, and he needs the he needs a good old yes. biological body so he can get jiggy with it. That's what it seems to be suggesting. Am I wrong? No, that's absolutely. Yeah, it. she's not willing to accept the synthetic option when it comes to uh, what he can possibly provide with his robot private parts. Um, which you think? I mean, you think that would be a fairly easy add-on, but Aurora's just not looking to explore that. Adriana, what did you think about this? I mean, I. I I think we can actually go back and say more about this weird alien thing, but but I'm glad you brought this up, Doug. Adriana, is this one of those things where we just forgive Byrne for being a weirdo? What's going on with this last thing? I basically agree with your take, and I think what Box is trying to say in his own tactful and diplomatic way is that, yeah, like, Aurora is super horny and Robo Walter ain't going to do the trick. But that's a... Box has been a, a good, not, I don't want to say good, but he's been a charming character up to this point. And this seems like a sleazeball moment. Yeah. And that's why I'm weirded out. Am I wrong about that? I have mixed feelings about how Aurora is portrayed as like this hypersexual being. Because part of me is like, is she yeah. even really hypersexual or is she just manic right now? Mm. Um, the other part of me kind of appreciates this uh, depiction of a woman who has a lot of like sexual agency. Right. Just sort of. Mm-hmm owns her sexuality like i don't i'm not necessarily convinced that burn has executed that very well right it's one of those things where um i don't know there are aspects of the character that i think are good but i don't know if his motivation to make her that way was good (laughs) if you know what i mean right i don't know what it's going on in his head i don't know if he's you know let's say it's actually a manifestation like she's manic does do I trust that Byrne knows enough to say that? Or is Byrne just thinking, well, cr- you know, crazy ladies be horny, you know? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know where he's coming. I mean, it's it's it, it's sort of a consistent thing with, with uh, reading Alpha Flight, which is that what is Byrne's intention and does that even matter to how I'm reading it? For me, um, you know, I, I, I think – I think um, – I don't think it matters. I think it's kind of like 
I just am going to read it the way I'm going to read it. And the way I read that was the suggestion seems to be more that Box is a bit of a creeper. And I don't like that either because I found him to be a pretty charming character up to that point. You know what I mean? I think that's a fair take. And there's also some weirdness with Puck in the next issue. Right. That yes. I'll bring up too. But is Walter Lankowski the John Byrne insert character in Alpha Flight? He kind of resembles him. He has those glasses, doesn't have a beard. Right. But could he be John Byrne? And then he's just working out some of his own issues with the way that Aurora is uh, rejecting him because she does. He, for whatever reason, some change in his life has made it so she just doesn't feel that uh, he satisfies her anymore. I mean, you're thinking that Byrne is going through a divorce and this is him working it out or something? Not necessarily. Maybe he just faced some rejection. And he's. I do think he works out some of his issues within the material in his comics generally. Sure. I think the. I think up to this point, his, his treatment of Aurora, even though I do like the character, hasn't been very tactful from start to finish. No. So to think that he might start being tactful now, I think, is not realistic. No, that's, um, no, that, that's very true. And like I said, I, I, I am very not a fan of this scene with her, but I'm even more, like I said, concerned with, the you know, A, that this is the major issue with him living in a robot. The issue <laughs> with him living in a robot is not that maybe it's bad for him to live in a robot, but that he can't get his horn horn on. Uh, and that the person who who really helps him see the issue here, which is that Aurora could not possibly love anyone who she didn't want to get down and 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 dirty with, is is Box. Box has got it with a sly look at his. The, even the way it's drawn <laughs> makes me uncomfortable. Let alone what they, what he's saying. So, uh, which we're about to get into the art. Uh, I just thought it was a weird. It was a weird section in a comic. Oh yes, in a comic, uh, an issue that I, overall. I mean, let, let me just put my cards on the table and I'll let you guys say uh, what you want to say. Um, I don't love how we got there, but just the fact that we have this ridiculous story about Guardian, uh, and you know we've read ahead, so we know that it's not true, but that doesn't matter. For this <laughs> issue, I've, I love it. I love this issue. In fact, the only part that I really dislike is this ending note. I wish it wasn't there. It's not how I want to end this story, because if we just ended with him being like, BT dubs, I'm a cyborg, which I think, by the way, is even more confusing based upon what we learn later. <laughs> but the fact that he's just like, you should know I'm a cyborg now is like, it's great. It's so good. I love it. I love every moment of it. I don't know, uh, Doug, you know, you're a man. You're, you're, you're a fresh face here. What do you think about it? So, I mean, this is a really interesting question, right? Because of the three of us, I was the only one that wasn't really aware of where this was going. Uh, and so fair, I guess the fair. major question is, was I convinced that he was back? And for a variety of reasons, including some of the conversations we've had on this show, no, I was not. However, when they went into, what, a four or five page explanation of everything that had gone on and really went into a lot of detail, I was starting to think, well, I don't like, maybe this is somewhat real. Maybe there is something to this. Maybe this is a way of bringing him back in some form, even if it's not this one, and uh, so I have to say, I, I I don't feel like, and we're going to get into all the details on the next issue. I don't feel that this is really a bait and switch. This is more like a crazy story that we're that comes to a conclusion and has actual story beats to it, um, and it just happens to start in this kind of uh, uh, twisty way. But by the end of this issue, I was thinking, well, you know what? It's kind of nice to have Guardian back. I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to do with our little group. 
That's really interesting. A- Adriana, I got the feeling that you love this issue or at least love this part of the issue as much as me. <laughs> I really did. No, I basically, I just have to echo everything that you said about it. Um, the only thing I want to add is I just, I think Aurora really needs to sit down and have a heart to heart with my girl Wanda Maximoff. <laughs> I, I, I really think maybe she, she could have a change of heart about uh, Robo Walter. What she's probably likely going to do in that conversation is realize, hey, Robo Walter has a terrible like attitude and is just kind of a jerk. So maybe I should get out of here right. for different reasons. <laughs> I mean, it could very well be that what Byrne is suggesting is that he knows Walter is a bad person and that the only reason Aurora was with him from the beginning is because of that good good. And so now that that good good is gone, <laughs> she's not interested anymore. And that could be true. That could be true. I don't know. Um, let's jump into the art. Uh, in this issue, mm-hmm. what we think about it, how we feel about it, all that. Uh, Doug, I'll go to you first. What mm-hmm. stood out to you art-wise in this issue? What What did you find got you uh, excited like Box talking about uh, Walter's sex life? Uh, well, nothing really really matched up to that. But uh, the, the, I mean, I already alluded to it. The stuff that takes place on Jupiter's moon with the weird creatures and all the weird uh, landscapes and very sci-fi imagery it's very organic looking, almost underwater-ish. I like all of that. I like the design of those strange creatures. They're sort of like octopus in, in glass shells. I really, really um I kind of wish there was more of that. Uh I do like the destructive aspect uh of we see um when when Guardian and Talisman are battling our uh <laughs> I have forgotten his name. <laughs> I can't I can't believe it. Caliber. Caliber uh, in downtown Vancouver. I like all that sort of stuff, but I don't think anything really matches up to that uh, the kind of weird background sci-fi stuff that we see there. The rest of it, uh, it's 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 good. I mean, it's perfectly reasonable. Um, I I have some trouble with the next issues art comparatively to this one, where I feel like uh, characters are kind of off model a little bit. But here, I think everyone looks good. And the thing I like most about this issue, which I just haven't kind of stamped down yet, is that I just like the Watch Alpha Flight working together as a group, you know, yeah. and, and we're getting a lot more of that in the last few issues. And it's really, it's really feeling uh, more like a group book, which it really hadn't up to this point. I hear everything you're saying, Doug. I, I do want to point out uh, something before I throw to you, Adriana, which is uh, I really like uh, Ski Slope Techno Heather. She's yeah. really got this. <laughs> she's really got this. Uh, you know, I, I'm 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 playing some craft work on the side of Aspen <laughs> for everyone, and yeah, I, I really love it. I really think it's and 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 uh, it's the look that I kind of am used to a little bit for her. So I kind of I kind of dig it. It's only a few issues, but I think it, it really works. Uh, Adriana, what did you think of the art in this issue? I totally agree with everything Doug said, and I think that the. Uh the more sci-fi aspects of, of the issue and, and the, the stuff that takes place in space is probably um, the most compelling art-wise. But uh, something else that stuck out to me is that big splash page of Guardian and Heather kissing. Yep. Like, it's just pure romantic drama. It's awesome. And uh, I think this is one of those instances where uh, the use of the solid single-color background actually really... Uh, accentuates the colors and the line work of the central image yeah uh, it's just it's just a very arresting image that uh kind of stuck in my mind um after i finished the issue i also think it's a bit of foreshadowing because all of her colors match his colors mm. and i think it's like you can yeah. start to imagine her in his suit if you're paying attention uh i will say 
I feel like uh, Back from the Dead Guardian is a little more handsome in his with the mask on, but maybe that's just me he projecting. Had a glow up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he just looks a little more more uh, charming. I don't know, um, but yeah, I got to. Well, there might be a reason for that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but I got to agree with with everything y'all have said, and especially like you were saying, Doug. All of this story stuff, this weird sci fi gooiness, it's great. I love it. It's really good, and even when he reveals himself to be a cyborg. It's very like weirdly muscular cyborg <laughs> with with parts of the metal almost look like they're growing a little bit. Like honestly, if he had said, "Also, I I, I received the techno virus while <laughs> I was in Jupiter," that would have worked for this art. I I, I just love it. I, I uh, again, there's nothing like other than the weird gooey sci-fi stuff. There's nothing that impressive um, uh, in the sense of like, oh my god, I want a poster of that. But I do think that moment of them kissing is is considering where the story is going as well is is really powerful mm. and really well mm-hmm. done. And it makes the yeah. next bit actually have some emotional weight, uh, which I wasn't expecting. Rereading this, I kind of thought this is all going to be fun and stupid, and and it, it is a little bit. But th- but there's a little bit of something going on there, especially when it comes to Heather. Uh, I guess that's it for this issue. Uh, I do want to. Uh, talk about Doug. You included the memo that's at the end of this mm-hmm. issue. Uh, you want you want to tell us what this thing is? Yeah, this is a, a memo from Danny O'Neill that uh, I think it's at the end of the letters column, uh, and he basically is just is just giving us a little heads up about what's to come. He says the thing about working with John Byrne is you never know when he's going to throw a curve. We discussed briefly the possible return of the Guardian, but until I looked at the script for that issue you've just read, I had no idea how John was planning to accomplish that not <laughs> insignificant feat. I was surprised and delighted at how logically and elegantly John pulled it off. Then I saw Alpha Flight number 26 and blown away. Ground Zero. Easily the most interesting issue yet. The biggest and most unexpected curve John's ever pitched. Hey, you know I always tell the truth (laughs) about the important stuff. And perseverance furthers Denny. (laughs) So he's promising that there's going to be something big happening in the next issue. And I have to be honest, if you read between the lines reading that you can kind of get a sense of what might be happening yeah maybe not the how or the why but definitely there's enough there for a perceptive reader to kind of fill in the blanks yeah well i you know i don't know denny personally um so maybe he is trying to tell the truth but i don't know if we're all going to agree with him that uh uh, issue 26 is some sort of height of John Burns writing or not. Well, we're about to find out here. Uh, let's jump on in with Alpha Flight Volume 1, number 26, from September 1985. Written in pencil by our man, John Byrne. Covered by John Byrne with inks by Bob Wyachek. Doug, what, what happens in this uh, uh, apparently amazingly surprising issue? Well, uh, this story is called If at First You Don't Succeed. And we begin with Alpha Flight battling Transformers in Red Deer, Alberta. Uh, and after um, after a little while of battling and we've seen them all working together, it's eventually revealed that it's actually a training exercise for the Canadian Armed Forces. Um, Aurora is injured during that scrum due to Guardian being a little negligent, which appears to make Shaman a little bit uneasy. Let's call that foreshadowing. But no time to linger on that. The West Edmonton Mall is under attack by Omega Flight. You might remember them from quite a while ago. It might even be a little bit of a hint about where this story is going. Our heroes head to the mall, uh, making some odd comments that seem to both praised and insulted at the same time, before being split up and half the group are taken out by the Omega Flight members who are being assisted by a force field wielding villain wearing some very familiar colors. Uh, Heather eventually finds Guardian, who speaks to her in the voice of Jerry Jackson. Remember that guy? But eventually, he rips off his own face to reveal himself as Delphin Courtney, a.k.a. 
Dark Guardian. Oh my gosh. Dun dun dun. Uh okay, <laughs> let's start with the cover before we jump into what happens in this issue. Uh you know, Doug, this time I'll uh, I'll throw to you about the cover. What did you think about the cover of issue number 26? I mean, it does tease the fact that Omega Flight are going to be in the issue. The big defeated lettering, hey, gives you a sense that Alpha Flight are in some trouble. I haven't I don't have a lot of affection for Omega Flight up to this point because the one issue we saw them in, they immediately got their asses kicked and it wasn't really uh, a struggle for Alpha Flight. I do love the idea that that seemed to, in John Byrne's mind, perhaps at the time or perhaps since, this has always been the plan for this to lead up to this moment with them returning. So I'm going to cut him a little slack there because I'm hoping we'll get to learn more about these characters. Um, I kind of wish we saw more of a pile of beaten Alpha Flight, even if it is not necessarily reflected in the issue proper, because just seeing um, Talisman and Puck and, I guess, Heather kind of clonked over with uh, Guardian in the foreground doesn't really do... It doesn't seem as devastating as it kind of actually feels when you actually read the issue. However, I do love the fact that Guardian's appearance in the foreground actually has kind of a double meaning. So, I, you know, it's fine, uh, but I, I don't find it as intriguing as the last issue's cover. How about you, Adriana? What do you think? I agree with Doug mostly. This 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 cover doesn't do a lot for me. Um, actually, it kind of reminds me of the Arthur's Fist meme. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I I I mean, I kind of like it. Um, <laughs> here's the thing. There's a lot of drama to it, which I appreciate. I, here's the thing. This is one of those examples of something that I don't know if I'll be able to see past my own nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this is the first issue I ever got. When I got it, I remember thinking like, so I was a little bit familiar with Alpha Flight because of the, as I said on other episodes, uh, the Asgardian Wars crossover. Um, this, I believe, occurs before that. Uh, I think I could be wrong about that actually, um, but uh, that's sort of what drew me into this. Yeah, as this must have been post as Garden Wars. But I saw this cover and just thought, whoa, this looks intense. I want to know who this woman is. I want to know who this weird, skinny, uh, sort of feral creature is. <laughs> uh, dude in the middle looks boring, but whatever, I'm into it. <laughs> um, I, and so I, I think that's just what pulled me in. And, and since this is where I started, was this weird double cross that I didn't even really understand at the time. Uh, it has a little bit of emotional weight for me. Um, I do think you're right, Doug. Since this moment never happens, why not just throw some more Alpha Flight members in there? Like, just to make it more exciting. I think that's a fair criticism. But as far as the impact of the image, it works for me. I think it's really neat. Um, I, I now I can't unsee the Arthur Fist. Though, I gotta be <laughs> honest. Now that you've said that, it's, uh, I can't unsee it. I'm sorry. It is sort of there, and that's a bit of a bummer. I do have no. It's fine. I do have one thing that I really like on this cover, and it's kind of a funny thing. Uh, we haven't really talked about it, but on each issue in the Marvel kind of header thing above the price in the top left-hand corner, it shows the face of the Alpha Flight characters that are going to be in that issue, which has always been a little bit of a downer uh, in the sense that sometimes there's only one or two faces in there, or maybe three, right? You never really see a big group of them together. But here, I mean, we have six to eight faces in there. It really gives you a sense, hey, this is a team where you're going to see a whole bunch of them in this issue. issue. Uh, Maybe... Maybe not succeeding like you'd want them to, but at least they're all going to be here. Yeah, we see that on the cover of issue number 25 as well. Yeah, it's it's why I'm glad we've reached this point with the group working together. 
it probably is a bit of a giveaway that Guardian's face was never inserted in with them. Like maybe we should have <laughs> been able to figure out that there's something going on here. But, but again, I don't know how many people read issue twenty. Oh, we'll get into the story of it. But but I don't know how many people read issue twenty five and thought that he was back for good or not. Um, so yeah, I, I think we have a mixed view of this cover, but it is what it is. So uh, here we go. The big the big turnaround, the big the big uh, surprise. You couldn't possibly see where it's coming from. It's such a huge surprise. Uh, Adriana, if you had to rate on a scale of uh, 90 to 100... <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, if you had to rate how surprised you were, how surprised were you by issue number 26? I guess you probably have to reach back to when you first read it because you weren't surprised this time. I'm. I don't think I was extremely surprised because, uh, as as we talked about um, a few minutes ago, it is sort of telegraphed in an obvious way, but the specifics of it are were kind of um, a question mark. But I do have to say that I think the it's written very well, and so that when the reveal happens and Heather is confronted with the reality of the situation. It's a huge gut punch. Like it's a, it's a or gut punch. It's a very, uh, it's, it's a pretty emotionally shattering scene. Like just if you try to place yourself in, in Heather's shoes and what she must be feeling at, uh, at that moment, it's, it's pretty devastating. Yeah. I, I mean, even the lead up, like I, I, as Doug sort of suggests in his description, there's a little bit of foreshadowing that made it, maybe something's off with Guardian, but it's still kind of cool seeing them act as a team in those first yeah. few uh, pages, even if they're fighting an off-brand Transformers. That's uh, <laughs> great. I can't. I can't even remember if it's if it's supposed to be a ripoff of the Constructicons, John, or the <laughs> other one. Uh, I forget what's the name of the what the one that the dinosaurs turn into. I don't even remember what that's called. The only thing I can Liam, come on. Do you? We, I can only be nerdy about so many things, Liam. <laughs> I was gonna say Beast Wars. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I the reason I even know well besides the fact that I watched the Transformers religiously as a child, mm-hmm. I do remember that the dinosaurs turned into a big thing mostly because of uh, '90s hardcore band Grimlock, named after the Tyrannosaurus Rex character mm-hmm. Grimlock. Uh, who I loved because he could never speak in... I guess none of them could speak in full sentences, actually. Yeah, those um, Dinobots, they weren't very good at speaking. I don't know why that, like, if you're already building a super sophisticated robot, you think the speech part would be kind of a lot easier than making them look like dinosaurs and whatnot. But yeah, he talked like me, Grimlock. I really like that. Yeah. Uh, but these guys look a little bit more <laughs> like the Constructo bots anyways, who when they turned into something, I forget what it was, Destructo or some something like that i don't know what it was called but anyway so they're fighting transformers which apparently and i'd love to hear what you guys think about this uh this whole thing is a test because the canadian government wants to have a <laughs> giant transformer doug alpha flight seems to suggest that your country is a warlike nation of futuristic war devices is that accurate Admittedly, Canada in Marvel Comics history has been a place of a lot of terrible things occurring. Right? So maybe, yeah, it's just, I, hey, I, it doesn't necessarily, hey, look, it was 1980s, Brian Mulroney was in charge, so maybe this is just, uh, the way he saw things going. I do want to say, why do we need Alpha Flight in Canada if we have the ability to build giant robots, uh, that can, you know, fight our battles for us? Ones that actually, you know, connect together into even larger robots that that almost take on the entire 
group of Alpha Flight all by themselves. Why don't we just make like dozens of those and take over our American cousins to the south? It's a great question, Doug. It's a great question, why? Doug. Adriana. <laughs> also, why are Alpha Flight working with the uh, Canadian uh, government again? It was is that I guess they just do that every once in a while just to help them out. And the other thing I do want to ask Liam uh, is that we are given the impression in this issue that. Nobody was really aware that Guardian died outside of the members of Alpha Flight. Had that ever been established before in the comic proper? Like the fact that like the people of Canada never asked when Alpha Flight were out doing stuff. He whatever happened to that Guardian guy? Didn't he used to lead the group? I guess they just haven't seen them for a while, so I guess it never really came up. I can't remember for sure, but I feel like there's there's a, a line Maybe it was Heather in an earlier issue where she basically says, like, we have to keep this under wraps. Oh, so strange. But I, I could be mistaken. Well, we do know that um, she can't prove that James Hudson is dead. That's why she's so broke. Yeah. She can't get the life insurance. Um, but but again, clearly uh, clearly the, the world doesn't know that James Hudson is Guardian, right? Like, that's there is this idea that they all have secret identities still for some reason. And so... Except when they don't. <laughs> Yeah, except for when they clearly don't. Um, I wonder how Snowbird and Doug are doing with their relationship. I bet <laughs> I bet they're having a good time right now, ignoring everything that's going on here. Uh, I mean, we're about to find out next episode what's going on. But <laughs> the, 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 the point here is that, uh, yeah, I guess the, the world doesn't know. Side note, I don't know that anyone seems that concerned, though. I, I mean, it is interesting that the big thing for me, Doug, is not that the world doesn't know he's dead. It's that... We're assuming the world knows who Guardian is. <laughs> and, and you know, I guess we've seen that a little bit, but Byrne hasn't gone out of his way to show us that Alpha Flight are anything, like, well-known. In fact, um, it's more likely that, for example, uh, um, Northstar will get recognized as the skier than he will as hero Northstar. So I, I, I just don't yeah. know what the public persona you know, uh, persona of these folks are, um, another example being shaman, right. In an earlier, uh, issue it suggested that the doctor, you know, that as, as Dr. Two young men, he's way more well-known than he is as shaman because apparently <laughs> Canada has celebrity doctors. I, I don't know. It's the, the question of their public persona personas are, are, is somewhat questionable. I, I think while we're on the subject of shaman, I want to talk about this whole medicine bag thing. Sure. Uh, that comes up again in this issue. So I feel like there are shades of Fletcher Hanks in Alpha Flight <laughs> in, in the sense that his heroes, and I and I use that term very loosely, uh, they didn't really have any fixed established power set. Uh, rather, they would sort of inexplicably develop whatever weird power they needed that was convenient to the plot. And <laughs> Shaman's medicine bag kind of functions in, in the same way to me. Like, he can just pull out whatever when the occasion arises. Like, we've seen him toss out bubbles and bobbles and <laughs> other items that start with B. <laughs> but, you know, as a character who has had some of the most consistent characterization throughout the series, this is definitely something that stands out to me as highly variable, and I can't quite get a handle on what that what the deal is with the medicine bag. Sure. It does seem like he throws out a lot of items that start with B, which makes me wonder if he's a blood. And he can't throw out anything that starts with the C. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> I will say, yeah, it's, I mean, the, the, the idea seems to be that he is a magician on par with the Sorcerer Supreme, Doctor Strange. Mm -hmm. right. Only, his only power 
other than uh, occasionally he makes like potions like that are, you know, ancient native wisdom. Uh, and then he's got magic bag and he reaches in the magic bag. And then with the power of his will, he pulls out what he needs from magic bag, which so far has mostly been bobbles and bubbles. Like he, he never is like he reaches in. And he's like, oh, I've got keys. My keys I lost. Or, oh, I've got a I've got a device that will put Walter back in a hu- in a, a biological body. You know what I mean? Like it's just in the moment he's got something, but not necessarily the thing you think it would be. It's it's an interesting uh thing here. Doug, I, I assume this has something to do with Canada. Explain why this makes sense in Canada. Uh no, I refuse to because <laughs> I want to talk about the West Edmonton Mall, Liam. Right. I do I did want to ask you, I assume the West Edmonton <laughs> Mall is a location of very uh, strategic importance in Canada, and mm-hmm. that terrorists attack it all the time. Is that is that accurate? Well, I don't know. That's not necessarily the case. We don't have a commando like I mean the movie Commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, incidents with shootings occurring in that mall on a regular basis. However, it does fulfill two things that make it a very popular or uh, what I should say predictable spot for Alpha Flight to uh, to visit. A, it's a uh, it's a location within Canada that most Canadians are familiar with. And B, it's in Alberta, so John Byrne is familiar with it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it, it's the two things that we sometimes see in issues of Alpha Flight. Uh, at one point, West Edmonton Mall was the largest mall in the world. That point uh, was never, very brief, right? That it couldn't have been very. Uh, it long. wasn't. It wasn't too brief. We'll talk about it a little bit later when we get to our Canada facts. But I did want to bring up something that's very important. So. Uh, listeners of some of my other podcasts, Liam, would know that I like to do a little research. I like to dig a little deep into some of the facts and oh, figures you're behind. you're a real fact head. That's what we like to call you. I'm a you, fact the, the head. Fact that's, head. A really, yeah. that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> so um, this past weekend, I was diving into some newspaper archives, Liam, and I found a piece of information that ties into this very issue. It's very exciting. Oh, are you still talking? I missed it. What, what were you going to say? I was just wanted a little banter back and forth, but I don't need that. What I'm going to talk about here is that when Alpha Flight arrive at the West Edmonton Mall, they talk briefly to uh, a gentleman outside it. And he's not just any gentleman. He's actually based on and is Ruben Stahl, who was uh, the president of the West Edmonton Mall in the mid-1980s. And this is an article uh, from an Alberta paper at the time that says, Mall President in Comic Book. And it shows that very frame of him and Guardian having a little conversation. Uh, it says, Ruben Stahl, the colorful president of West Edmonton Mall, is now a comic book character. Now, I won't read this entire article. It just basically goes over the plot. Thank book. God. But I do want to bring up that at the end it says, Stahl's role is limited to one of a mall official, but he wouldn't mind being featured as a superhero himself. Ugh. He says, I'll fight all enemies that come to attack West Edmonton Mall. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, uh, just a follow-up question for you. Um, uh? What's wrong with Canada? Could you fill me in on that? What? What? Are, what do you? What would you let me, say? Let, let is me explain the problem it. with Canada. Let me explain it to you, Liam. When the out of doors is cold and unpleasant a lot of the time, we have to build up the in of doors for us to to spend time with. So, what more uh, representative of of what a uh, basically a, a, a uh, an amazing achievement of Canadian uh, uh, architecture than an indoor mall that also has a theme park and a swimming area in it. I mean, that's all you need. You could live inside the West Edmonton Mall. I do want to mention, though, that the actual comments on the West Edmonton Mall from our superheroes 
are not very positive in this no, issue. No. They all seem to suggest that it's just kind of like monument to greed and avarice that shouldn't exist. Are they wrong, yet, though? The, the, not, not, uh, not wrong. Um, and, uh, you know, it is commentary. It is Dawn of the Dead-like commentary. But, uh, but it is strange that they also then went to the effort of putting the president <laughs> yeah, on the mall. That he, even, the he just wanted the attention, which, by the way... He just looks like a nondescript white guy in this thing. Like that, I don't. The fact that we would look at this and go, "Well, there he is." They really captured his likeness. <laughs> I is- will say that that he, he seems to be drawn. Look, I, I actually don't know what the real gentleman looks or looked like, but I would not be pleased with a presentation of myself. That looked like how this gentleman looks. Well, that's what I'm saying. He, my favorite part about this. Okay, so he looks ridiculous. The part is so random. It doesn't make any sense that he would even be there. And then um, I love a. Well, you already pointed out that they are both insulting it and commenting on its grandeur. Uh, and b that the aerial shot we get makes it look about the size of an average mall, and it couldn't even make the picture look impressive. It just looks like they're coming up on any old. That's about the size of the Cherry Hill Mall where I grew up, let alone something that's a big deal like King of Prussia or the Mall of America. It just looks like a normal mall. It's 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 a real bummer, actually. I assure you, Liam, it's much larger than a normal mall. <laughs> <laughs> I have all the facts and figures about it, Liam. I can tell you that. Uh, Let's just wait for the Canada section. I just yeah. want to finish. All right. the I don't issue. want to jump ahead. Let's of just finish the here. issue here. So, so basically, what we get here is a series of of <laughs> scenes where the various members of Alpha Flight are being betrayed by Guardian because it's not Guardians; it's Delphine Courtney, a character that we all knew was going to come back because uh, they seemed very important, right? Like we were sure at any moment they were. I don't know back. if you're being facetious, Liam, but I did think that they were eventually going to come back. And I'm very glad that they did because the one thing Alpha Flight has been really lacking in the first 25 issues is a reoccurring villain that seems like they could actually take on Alpha Flight. And you feel like uh, Delphine Courtney is the answer to that to that conundrum. Yeah. She just took out half the group with her flunkies. She infiltrated the group dressed as Guardian. I mean, honestly... Whatever you think about this twist and how it... She pulled it off. Yeah, she pulled it off. I mean, that's my problem. It's the pulling it off that's my problem. Uh, I just don't... I, in fact, the part that I find even more ridiculous is the big reveal. If if It seems like that... Uh, okay, let's say Delphine Courtney is, is pulling it <laughs> off as Guardian. Why the, the cyborg reveal? Like it's it's completely unnecessary. I guess it's a good explanation about why since since we've been talking a lot about robot sex, I guess it's an explanation about why there's no you know, hey, I'm back from Jupiter sex with James Hudson supposedly. I guess that is what it does. Otherwise, why re- why reveal the part cyborg thing and then be like, "Haha, fooled you. I'm actually a full robot. Bet you didn't see that coming." It just seems weird. I think the idea is that, you know, the whole point from the the very reveal of of Guardian being back is to get Alpha Flight all in one location, like the West Edmonton Mall, a place where they can all be distracted and separated. And he's like, this whole thing is part of one single plan. Get a Mega Flight to start making a ruckus. He's going to command, hey, you guys get in there and kick butt. And then, you know, from the surrounding area, they basically have an extra member working on their side that Alpha Flight are not aware of. And I think you're missing hey. my point here, Doug. I think you're missing my point. He's okay. Delphine is pulling off the Guardian performance. Yes. There's no reason to do the cyborg reveal. 
I don't think it's Delphine Courtney's intention to play the long game. She basically just wanted to do it long enough mm-hmm. to lure Alpha Flight into one location and to sort of. I think I think the reveal is part of it. She wants to see the satisfaction of them learning that they were duped. No, again, I don't think you're hearing me here. I'm not saying the reveal that that Guardian is actually Dark Guardian. I'm talking about the issue before where oh. you see what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's so unnecessary. It's literally only there to explain why they don't have sexual intercourse. I think that's literally why it's there. Just to be so some reader doesn't go, Well, wouldn't she right. figure it out when they get it on? Because that's what you would do. I think that's <laughs> the only reason. How it's much there. robot dong content can they have in one issue? That's why I, mean, I was confused. I, I do think that one big question is how much of a gap do you think in time is supposed to take place between the most recent issue and this one, right? Where the team has been working together. I mean, could it have been days, weeks, months? Have they spent all that time together? Because if there is a suggestion that Heather and uh, Guardian, uh, this version of Guardian, have been together for a while, it's even more of a like tragedy and and a, a betrayal at the end of this issue. But if it's kind of like the next day, it doesn't really seem. I mean, as my impression of that is is that it all happens fairly quickly. Yeah. So in that case, yeah, I don't know what Liam why uh, he would have to reveal his robot body outside of the fact that maybe she he he's afraid that she might see him in the shower or something. Right. <laughs> it the whole thing just seems strange. If if uh, obviously. Uh, Delphine Courtney as Dark Guardian can in some sense, maybe not fully, but in some sense mimic human flesh, they kiss. And I'm assuming kissing a robot is not the same as kissing (laughs) a human. Uh, uh, So so apparently there is some, you know, able to mimic human flesh going on. Maybe not the full thing. I don't know. It's just that whole aspect seems strange. Me personally, I, I get what y'all are saying. Like it's you know, oh look, it's effective, whatever. But um, but I just don't really. I just was uh now. Like I said, I, I've already seen this before. I even know who Delphine Courtney is, so I guess I kind of bought in in that sense. But now reading it as an adult, I was kind of like, yeah, it's that's cool. It's all connected to Omega Flight. That's neat. Uh, but but even as much as I kind of like this turn of events. I don't think this then places Dark Guardian or Delphine Courtney or however we want to refer to this character as the new uber villain. I'm I still I finished this issue thinking that one of the things Alpha Fly still doesn't have is a good recurring villain. I don't know, I do maybe like, I'm alone in that. I do like that her her reveal, like ripping her face off, ends with her saying that I have already halfway succeeded. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I will say knowing what's about to happen makes, and we're, we're about to jump into the art here, but it makes the smile on, on not James Hudson's face before That's he right. rips his face off that much more upsetting. It actually creates a yeah. sort of nightmare feel. Uh, but we're going to talk about the art in a second. Anything else here? I, I, I just want to say the, the you know, I, I kind of like the way that this, you know, each character being taken out assumingly by dark guardian is like kind of neat i like how that all works out um and and the reveal like i said i don't know that that makes dark guardian the new big bad that i needed but i still like it i think this issue kind of works really well story-wise uh but it does feel like just a setup and and we will on our next episode get to where this is going but it's all sort of a setup for you know well where do we go from here what's sort of the next thing and 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 but i like it for what it does that way uh anything else you guys want to say about the story before we get into the art of this uh issue I don't understand what is going on with Puck in this issue as far as how he's written. There's just 
some weirdly chauvinistic things that he says in this issue that seem totally out of character. Yeah, I I agree that that kind of stuck out to me. I don't know. I which which aspect, which part are you thinking of specifically? Oh, when he faces off with Diamond Will, just everything that comes out of his mouth. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it 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 could be worse, sure. Oh but yeah. It doesn't. It has seem been like worse him. in this comic. <laughs> Yes, but it doesn't seem like stuff he would say. I I don't know. It's a little weird. Doug, did that stick out to you at all? I mean, I I wish I could say that it did. Uh, I can understand how it does seem a little out of character. Then again, this is the group that, for a bit, murdered the leader of Alpha Flight. So if he's a little testy and maybe a True. little, you know, if he's trying to throw it off her game with insults. I mean, the insults do, because he mentions her figure and things like that, they do maybe go a little too far. But it didn't stick out too much and maybe it's just because i have a lot of affection for puck anyway so maybe i i do too but but it's because i feel like he has shown a lot of respect for the women Mm -hmm. in this comic so it just it just stuck out it stuck out to me as being sort of uncharacteristic of him and i understand that you know he was facing off against a member of omega flight so that that the dynamic would be adversarial but i was just surprised with how that manifested Mm mm-hmm yeah, I mean, it. I just think I. I think the issue works uh, to a certain extent, but it, I do want to say, for the sake of plot, he does sort of undermine each of these characters, right? Like that, none of them could. I mean, it. It wouldn't work if they had to actually fight Dark Guardian, because then it doesn't work as a big reveal at the end. But none of them even has a chance against him, and I guess it's because they don't see him coming. But yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of I, I I'm a little bit bugged by the fact that they spoil the reveal by showing Guardian's arm pointing and 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 giving right. instructions to Omega Flight. Don't know why they did that. You think they could have just kept it in silhouette until the final reveal? I guess he's just assuming that people have figured it out by this point. But yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're you're right. It does kind of be. It's kind of like it's kind of that thing where you're building up towards something and we all know, and it's like, well, just show us, okay? Like it, it would have worked maybe just as well if he just fought them openly. But it kind of builds up again. I also think you know Heather is still in her, um, is still in her uh, uh, techno ski warrior outfit. <laughs> And, she has uh, a gun strapped to her waist. Oh, yeah. No, this is fully her I'm going into action outfit, which, by the way, we haven't covered yet. She's going into action now just because she has futuristic sunglasses on. It seems kind of weird. And and weird, like, the belt break. Like, this is definitely her. This is definitely, I say her. I shouldn't say that. This is definitely Burn flirting with her being an actual superhero. And I think mm. it's foreshadowing. This outfit yeah. is for you to go. Oh, Heather's going to be in the outfit next, you know? Heather's going to wear the the thing now that this isn't really him. I think that's what this color scheme is suggesting and the fact that it's not just a cool fun outfit, she basically has power bracelets and a belt on that suggests that if you shot bullets at her she could deflect them like Wonder Woman. It's we it's a it's a strange choice considering he's gone out of his way to show her in a more civilian kind of outfit for other issues and even on the cover what she's wearing doesn't suggest that she's going into battle so yeah, and I, other and other members of alpha flight have specifically said that you won't be coming out with us because you don't have any abilities that are you know substantial enough to be part of the team i mean there's no suggestion that she's been training hard she doesn't even get to be flipped around by puck in an uncomfortable sequence like we saw with talisman in yeah this year. yeah no but this <laughs> is this is i mean she's in there right the the 
powerful forces have taken over the mall and she's just wandering in apparently after being in the fantasy section of the bookstore <laughs> she's been in the bookstore she comes out she's confronted by not guardian uh and she looks like she's ready to go into battle it's a weird decision but that's where we're at uh let's talk about the art of this issue a little bit what did y'all think about it uh we'll start with you adriana what do you think about the art I think this is a great art issue. Uh, there's a there's a lot of tightly choreographed action, which I think the moments like those are really where Byrne seems like he's most in his element as an artist. So this issue is, was quite a feast for the eyes. Doug, what'd you think? You know, it's interesting. In the most recent issue, I said that I thought maybe some of the art in this one was a little off model. But looking at it now, I don't know what I was thinking. If anything, it's a little bit more fluid and... Uh, well composed compared to that issue it's actually yeah. it's really terrific all the way around the only negative comment i have is in the coloring of those transformer canadian bots which that yellow and blue does not work for me i i, I don't know why they decided to go with that coloring uh it does it just looks kind of strange and and funky like you're buying some sort of chinese knockoff transformer as opposed to the real thing which i guess in some ways that is exactly what we are getting but no i think it looks really good i uh, i've never been inside the west edmonton mall so i don't know if the interiors uh if he's using a lot of photo references for that but you get the impression that it's expansive that there's like a lot of foliage and things around that people could get lost in um uh, i I like it i I like and i particularly like the grotesquerie of um guardian ripping his face off before the big reveal at the end I don't know. I will say when you were saying the off model thing, I I don't know about off model. I will say that um, in my version, which is uh, on uh, a digital app, so it might look different for y'all if your scan is different. But in the scan that I have, an issue we've talked about before does come up, which is that uh, Shaman and Talisman are colored slightly differently than the other folks in a way that's mm-hmm. more obvious than in the issue before. Uh, and I don't know why they couldn't decide on how to make their skin tone look. Uh, and granted, maybe that's just this version, the scan that I have was color corrected in a bad way. I don't know, but they look way different than they did just slash ish- issue in, in the version I'm looking at. And that is it. We've talked about it before. They couldn't, they, it seemed like, they were still figuring out what to do with those characters and their skin tone, but it, it is off putting because they don't look indigenous. They look sunburned and it is not great. So I, I don't know I, if that's how y'all felt. About I, I, it. I just, to, just to answer that question, Liam, I, I I'm working spe- spe- specifically with digital copies of all the issues that we've been discussing. And it's always had that, reddish hue on uh, for the skin color of both indigenous characters through all issues so i i mean that's just the way that they are colored for me yeah wow yeah i'm looking at a hard copy of the last issue and they are definitely not uh they're definitely not white that's not what i'm suggesting but do they have quite the same hue in my hard copy as they do in the digital no it looks way less pronounced uh then and and again i don't know if that was a color correction they did for the digital copies uh which they obviously have to do because the scans don't aren't the same uh i don't know but it does it does not look the same so if y'all have been looking at this all the time you've definitely been looking at something i haven't been looking at and uh it looks way over the top for me i don't know i don't know it's kind of crazy uh otherwise i agree with you i think the art is works really really well i love the creature 
that they conjure to confuse the robot. I love the scene when uh, Walter in the box robot takes out the giant robot's legs, although maybe the scale of that is a little weird. I don't know, but it works uh, action-wise. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it looks really great. I will say, too, I think a lot of the faces in this, uh, in this issue are very expressive. Some of Puck's hmm. uh, expression. There's a scene where... Uh, fake guardian is saving Aurora and she looks really stoked on being saved and it's like super expressive. And then even at the end, I really think it's, it's worth highlighting. You know, we always highlight when burn does particularly interesting things. There's this scene where guardian is meeting up with Heather. And like I said, she looks like she's going into battle. She's like his backup or something. Um, and then they switch to this full page where he's taking his mask off and everything is white and it's, super dramatic and then the big reveal of him really works i think it all really works really well and it's a very effective art issue for me um yeah i don't know is there anything else to say about this issue before we move on to uh candid effects well i do want to mention denny o'neill's uh follow-up memo and once again uh this is a a follow-up to what he wrote on the uh most recent issue it says memo do i lie huh do i Last issue, I promised you the biggest and most unexpected curve John's ever pitched. I imagine that most of you will agree that our incredible Mr. Byrne did indeed deliver just that in the story you've just read. Unless, like me, you read the letters page of a comics first. If that's the case, hurry, hurry, hurry. Turn back and read if at first you don't succeed right now. Next issue, a major announcement in this space. One that loyal alpha fans won't want to miss. Won't dare miss, in fact. Hey, I didn't lie last issue, did I? Denny uh, did not lie. Uh, this was a uh, a pretty substantial twist in the story. Uh, I don't know if it's the most incredible thing I've ever read or that John Byrne has ever pitched in terms of a story idea. But, um, uh, you know, it, I, in terms of, of a shock, I can see it being pretty effective for readers at that time. I mean, I guess. <laughs> Do you read the letters page first, Liam, before you read the rest of the issue? No, 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 no. Who does that? No one does that, right? This guy does. <laughs> you do? No, no, Denny oh, that's does. True. Yeah, he just yeah, mentioned yeah, yeah. that's what he does. That's weird. That's a weird thing. Um, I mean, I think he over. I think he oversold it. I think. Uh, I think. Um, I guess it's a big reveal that it's who Dark Guardian is. But I don't know. I I imagine that a lot of people saw some turn from Guardian coming at this point. But maybe I'm wrong. Adriana, what do you think? Is did you do you think they had uh, telegraphed it enough, or 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 for people not to be surprised, or do you think it was a real big surprise? No, I think I think Danny was laying it on a bit thick. Um, <laughs> Burn drops enough hints in issue twenty five, where um, you know, as I said before, I think a perceptive reader could pick up on on something being amiss with the Guardian that we see. I wouldn't say that it's like this massive mind blowing twist, but uh, I, I agree that maybe like people wouldn't have seen that it was. Delphine Courtney behind it, but I uh, but I do think there was enough there that where you can draw the conclusion that it it probably was not the real Guardian that there was some sort of uh, yeah I mean it's catch. not I wouldn't say it's disappointing I think it's great that they did it but uh but it's you know for him to be like is the biggest most unexpected curve John's ever pitched I would suggest the giant lie that Delphine Courtney felt the need to tell in the last issue was a much weirder curveball that John <laughs> pitched at all of us. To uh, be fair to Denny O'Neill, he can't exactly be like, this is an average twist coming up. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That is fair. That is fair. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, Doug, do you, as our, as our uh, Canadian expert on hand, do you have any candidate facts for us? 
Well, I think it's a very appropriate thing to talk about the West Edmonton Mall, uh, which we mentioned briefly before, and which most of this issue, uh, issue number 26 of Alpha Flight, takes place in. Uh, the West Edmonton Mall is in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. It's the largest shopping mall in North America, still, Liam, um, and was the largest mall in the world until 2004. It, it covers a gross area of 490,000 square meters, and there are over 800 stores and services, including nine attractions, two hotels, and over 100 dining venues. Uh, the mall receives about 32 million visitors per year, attracts between 90,000 to 200,000 shoppers daily, depending on the day and season. And its last uh, uh, account was valued at $1.3 billion, making it the most valuable property in Edmonton. Those are Canadian dollars, though, Leo. Well, there you go. That was uh, uh, episode number 11. Uh, I won't make any big promises like our man Denny over here, uh, <laughs> although I will say that uh, he, well, I feel like he wasn't quite being honest about issue number 26. Uh, his memo at the end of issue number 27, which we'll be covering on our next episode, well, it's a much bigger curveball, I think, for Mr. Byrne than uh, what occurred in issue number 26. But if you want to hear about it, your options are... Well, go just go read it yourself, I guess. Or wait for our next episode. Episode number 12, we'll be covering issues 27 and, and 28 of uh, Alpha Flight. Is that correct? 27, 28? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that, sound, that sounds good. Uh, but in the meantime, we're so glad that you checked us out. Please go ahead and... Uh, Give us give us a a review on the old iTunes if that's where you listen to us or or if you listen to us on some other amazing platform you want to go ahead and let everyone know that we're uh you know at least a top ten podcast of all time in the history of podcasts I think that's fair to say uh, I think anyone with a any sort of uh, evaluative capacities would say that I mean heck we've been featured in the Hollywood Reporter mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so why absolutely. not why not say that we're at least a top five podcast of all time. Yeah, I moved it to five. Whatever, I don't care. Okay, hey, if you want, if Adrian, <laughs> if they want to check us out on the social medias, where should they check us out? Uh, they can find us on Twitter at Flight Stuff Pod. And what if they want to follow you on Twitter? How would they do that? They can follow me at EADXBB. And what if they want to send us an email because I guess they're over the age of forty? <laughs> uh, well, then they can drop us a line at flightstuffpodcast at gmail.com. I want to point out I'm going to be 40 in July, so I'm not really talking that much trash there. Uh, Doug, uh, what if people want to find you on the internet, not just your social media, but I guess you you do some other podcasts too or something? I don't know. It's probably not important. Well, one of them we both do together, Liam. It's called Eric Roberts is the Bleeping Man, which you can find. Never heard of it. At E-R-I-T-F-M uh, or at EricRobertsAtTheMan.com. It's about the actor, Eric Roberts, the life and work of him. We've been away for a little while. We're going to be returning very soon with our 99th episode. And uh, we're cutting it off um, in a way with episode number 100. So get on board now. Dig into our archives at E-R-I-T-F-M on Twitter. Other podcasts called No Budget Nightmares about low-budget and micro-budget cinema. Our most recent episode was about the 2012 superhero movie, the Amazing Bulk. Hey, it ties in superheroes. Uh, amazing Bulk, a um, micro-budget mockbuster version of Ang Lee's The Incredible Hulk movie, uh, except entirely filmed against a green screen using uh, pre-existing rendered CG backgrounds. It is awful. Check that out over at, at No Budget Podcast on Twitter or go to NoBudgetPodcast.com or do a search for No Budget Nightmares on Facebook. And you can, of course, follow me on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. If you want to keep up with us as well as all the other amazing things uh, coming out from uh, Cinepunks.com, go ahead and follow Cinepunks. You can follow us. Uh, you can find us at Cinepunks. That's P-U-N-X on Twitter, 
on Instagram, uh, on Facebook, Facebook backslash Cinepunks. Uh, check us out uh, and support some of the other podcasts on the Cinepunks podcasting group. Uh, we'd appreciate your support. Uh, we love that you checked it out, and we really do uh, appreciate all the emails we've been getting and the the the, the attention on social media. Uh, it's really humbling, and, and we really appreciate it. So until uh, our amazing next episode, which you will probably spoil by catching up on those episode on those issues of Alpha Flight, I'm going to go ahead and say, flight stuff out.